Hello? Hello? Oh, okay. Um, I'll do the intro. Uh, This is Graphic Policy Radio coming to you live. Uh, We are the comic podcast for people who like intelligent conversation and politically engaged discussion. Um, I uh, am Ilana, and I am joined by Brett. And we... Okay, there's a technical problem. There's some technical problems. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. I think that, hold on a second. Let me. I think Brett's call got dropped. I'm back. Oh, no. Can you hear me? Oh, you're back? Okay, sorry. Yep. Okay, no, we're cool. here. <laughs> it's always something. Sorry for the Damn awkward. It. Okay, go ahead, Brett. Do the introductions. Oh, okay, it's my site, and that means a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, show that makes us talk some politics. Uh, we've got an awesome guest with us, uh, Michelle Fife, a uh, comic creator. You know, we've been talking up for a really long time on the site. Um, I, I, I won't remember. I've met, met you at Small Press Expo a couple times. Uh, does an amazing series, Copra, uh, that is uh, pretty much every superhero you can imagine. Done art style in the only way indie comics can capture it. It is consistently mm-hmm. uh, best list one of the best stuff out there. Uh, you should go check it out right now, even before this begins. I'll tell you, we'll get this. Uh, so welcome to the show. Thanks thanks so much for joining us. And we fumbled the opening. Oh, man, thanks for having me. This is awesome. So I feel like I first heard about your work um, at, a, at the mm-hmm. late departed uh, Bergen Street comic book store. Um, and you had your own imprint, Bergen Street Press, well, I'd love to hear a little bit about um, just how Copra got started, and um, yeah. Oh, was that your store? Was that your local store, Bergen Street? Comics? It was not. It was not my local store, but I do live in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I worked there for a little bit. You know, I knew those guys. I knew Tucker Stone, Tom Adams. Uh, you know, I would work there once in a while. You know, but I would make comics on the side. And so when I started Copra in my, you know, I pretty much self-published the single issues, you know, but they're like micro press, you know what I mean? Like just a few hundred. And uh, they pretty much helped me get it collected and get it out there, get better distribution. And what what Copra is for for listeners is pretty much my, yeah, like my action comic, like my weirdo vigilante crazy comic, but drawn in my style, which whatever that means, I can't really – explain that in detail I could I just draw the way I draw but uh, you know it's sort of like a not your typical mainstream looking thing so it's 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 a it's it's a weird combination people seem to like it and for me that was my attempt to do a monthly comic you know that was the challenge for me um just because it was I had to formulate a job for myself you know so I had to pretty much make a template for me to make a monthly comic book and so an action comic was the easiest, not the easiest thing, but it was like a thing I was familiar with. And yet I had never done, you know, I had done indie comics, I had done small press, I had done zines and stuff, but not a superhero sort of adventure comic. And so this was mm-hmm. like new terrain for me in a weird way, even though that's the stuff I grew up on, right? And so, yeah, Bergen Street stepped in and helped me start distributing for real, you know? So that's how it started, you know? And so far, so good. I mean, we're up to... We have the fifth volume coming out, 
which is about 31 issues worth of material. So, yeah, we're pretty proud of that. You know, we're happy with it. I mean, that's just really a landmark. Um, I, I, uh, I, I think that a lot of folks like me, you know, we, we want to support independent artists and creators because mm-hmm. that aligns with, you know, the values that we have. And we also want artists to get paid fairly for their work and supporting independent creators does that because they're getting the money. And, uh, but you know, right. the kind of genre stuff that we, a lot of us like that made us be comics readers in the first place is superheroes and supervillains and, you know, the kind of action comics and, you, you've just really done something special here by having a real creator-driven, you know, artist-driven comic that has that takes place in the same sort of genre that we love, but really goes into uh, far more bizarre and unusual and unique um, elements of it while still being ultimately like a group of anti-heroes fighting against, mm-hmm. you know, powers that be and other and other bad actors right well the weird the real weird thing i think is that it's all done by one person you know as most indie comics are are made that's how they're made pretty much or the small press rather small press um, yeah yeah uh, yeah as opposed to the independent market which is almost like a different thing you know that's like your dark horse your image what have you but uh, that's the weird thing about these sort of stories, these, these specific genre comic books. Um, they're kind of made by a lot of people, and these days they're made by committee mostly. And so you don't really get a pretty direct vision or even editorial voice guiding these things, you know. So automatically that kind of sets it apart, you know. Um, and luckily I've just been building here and there the skills to make this thing happen on my own you know I don't really have to rely on outside sources too much um, so it's really just all me in a room you know just making stories drawing them and then getting them printed you know coloring them doing just doing everything mm-hmm. um, and that's something that I don't think a corporate setting really allows for I don't think they're really interested in that sort of material I think the readership could be open to it, but you never know. You know, I think the, the mainstream readership is largely conservative anyway, uh, not, not even politically speaking, but just uh, in terms of, of change and having these sort mm-hmm. of um, icons messed with even a little bit. You know, they, they don't Risk respond first. greatly to that. So Risk averse, yeah. Yeah, so it's like you – but even though some of the most beloved comics, finally enough, they were – there were risks, you know, like, I mean, consider Watchmen. That, that was pretty much a risk for DC back in 84, 85. It's hard to believe now, but just looking back and reading reports, I mean, that's, that wasn't like uh, a definite game changer for them, you know. They had no idea what they had. And so that's kind of weird. It's like, well, you need to develop the platform to take these risks and allow creators to do their thing. Because, I mean, honestly, the stakes are so low in terms of, like, the medium we're at. You know, it's really just art on paper. You know what I mean? They're, the budgets aren't that insane and unrealistic. So why not just allow for, like, different voices to kind of chime in and and um, develop different, I don't know, different aspects of your IP, you know? Which, by the mm-hmm. way, I, I hate saying IP. You know what I mean? Like, characters... Actors, that yeah. we grew up on, for better or for worse, you know. Yeah, and I see the love of those characters in the story. So, 
you know, I, I feel like a lot of the sort of artist-led comics, they kind of like hate superheroes. You know they all got started reading them. But with this, it's definitely, you, you see the influences of Suicide Squad and Jack Kirby's Fourth World. I mean, the description that I mm-hmm. gave was that, like, if there was an artist-made comic, like, of Suicide Squad, like, that's Capra. Because it does have a lot of the sort of plot beats of it being a group of bad people doing the dirty deeds against worse mm-hmm. people. And some of the characters are certainly, you can see the influences there. It's, um, it's interesting just because, like, but you don't need to know any of that to appreciate this. Like, you don't need to say, oh, okay, this character is a reference to Amanda Waller and this character is a reference to Deadshot. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I feel like I'm bringing a certain amount of enjoyment and history to reading it that someone who is not familiar with those characters might not have. Like, there's a certain amount of meta story that I bring to it because I know comics, but it's not mm-hmm. required at all. So it's very approachable in some ways. Oh, good. That's awesome to hear. I mean, that's something I sort of thought about in the beginning. I kind of wondered and worried a little bit about it, but, you know, the schedule didn't allow for me to kind of reflect upon any of that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? I just had to keep going and pump these things out. And so, yeah, that's good to hear that you don't really need the the history lesson. You know, I, you know, I try to make these things as enjoyable and reader friendly as possible while still trying to keep a pretty layered level of engagement, you know, for the, for the, returning reader you know like you're mm-hmm. deep you know i'm down by issue 30 or 31 and it's like i want to reward the longtime reader but at the same time make it enjoyable for someone who just picked it up randomly you know that's a fine mm-hmm. delicate balance and i don't know i'm just glad it worked at least one of the things <laughs> yeah i mean i like i said, like, I, I, like I, I i come from comics so i definitely am like okay i get whether these things are but like it's not right it doesn't feel like you're in the middle of um I don't know. I would I would have no hesitation giving this to somebody who doesn't read the superhero comics that are some of the the inspirations on this. But what I think is really exciting is this: your art doesn't look like anybody else's, and it's on. When you said art on paper, like you're actually unlike a lot of people, you are drawing on paper. Like I'd love to hear what you're. I, I look at this and I assume it's like colored, uh, like like pastels or something. Like how are you literally making this art? It's it's everything. It's everything I have. Um, I mean, it's colored pencils, it's watercolors, it's, uh, uh, you know, ink. I, I letter my own pages. So the original art is everything you need is right there. Uh, all the color, all the lettering, everything. Um, they're kind of smudgy and dirty and weird just because I'm actually drawing with, you know, the lead pencil and it just gets gritty and weird. And uh, and I, I fix the mistakes. I mean, they're you know, at the speed I go, there are a lot of mistakes toward the end and so I have to do final edits on the page these are not pretty items you know what I mean if I make an artist edition or something it's going to be the worst thing you'll ever see (laughs) but but that's how I do it's just I just kind of it's it's not about being um precious you know like it was this was also like an exercise and try to like to get rid of my my deadline uh issues that I had Mm -hmm. uh not that I was not that I had, I was terrible at meeting deadlines. It was just a, a speed thing, you know what I mean? I just wanted to produce stuff. I didn't want to think about it too much. So that also goes back to why I needed the template of, like, the adventure band of renegade weirdos, you know what I mean? I just didn't want to reinvent the wheel, you know? I just wanted to make a, a, a comic that I would enjoy personally, you know? Uh, but anyway, back to the, the, that, the way I, I physically made the comic, it's just on board, it's just typical size, I don't know, 11 by 16 or something, so something huge. 
and then uh, I do it all there, you know. So it's right there. I just I, I try to make a page, page and a half to two a day, and at the end of the month I have an issue, and then on to the next, you know. Um, and in between issues, I try to do other stuff too, you know. But that's why my schedule's so relentless, you know. I just have to keep making it, you know. Well, the art style is just so completely part of the story. Like, it's all a holistic, holistic vision. But it's very textural. Like, I can feel the paper when you're drawing it. Um, it's, it's very sensory in that way. Well, the main thing I, I try to keep in mind is that, you know, these are drawings. I'm not trying to make a movie. I'm not trying to make a video game. I'm trying to utilize the advantages of the comic book. You know what I mean? Like, the, as, and at least for me, the physical comic book too, like the single issue unit. You know, so these are drawings, and so I'm I'm interested in in the way these marks are made. You know, and how they make a thing. I'm not, and, and that's you know within my style. You know, which I wouldn't call super cartoony. And I wouldn't call it realistic either. It's kind of a, an in-between, just a comic. It's just, you know, it's based. I like all sorts of things too, you know, not just comics. So I try to bring a little bit of illustration to it mm-hmm. um, and, and design to it. And so once I mix it all up, you know, whatever works for the story, that, that's just what occurs, you know. Again, I try not to think about it too much or overanalyze it. Um, because I do that automatically, you know what I mean? And that, that's what trips me up, just, just, you know, just looking at something and, and doting on it for too long. It's like I've got to move. i got to move forward. And so I think with that in mind, that sort of informs my style, too. That's why you get a lot of, like, thick, dirty brush strokes and lots of, lot, like, lots of speed lines and, you know, little things like that. Now we're getting into real, like, hard craft nerd court here. But, you know what I mean? Like, that's just the kind of... Mm-hmm. So that's why the, the, the art sometimes has that weird grit, you know, that uh, you don't really see in, in superhero comics anymore. Everything's really polished. Everything's really clean and shiny. And so when you see something like Cobra, it just it, it almost, you have to, you know, it has to register, you know, <laughs> you know because you're not really used to seeing those two things, those those two elements together. So... I don't know, man. I just is, try to make it work. No, but this is so much more textural than any other comic art in the sense that, like, like you're just much more aware of the texture of the paper underneath it all. You know, looking yeah, at, like, a... The, the paper yeah. is different. The paper is actually... feels like it's different than you would normally do for a comic series. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, well, the, it's, it's two sets of paper, too, because the individual issues, uh, they're on, like, harder, thick stock... You know, because mm-hmm. they have to survive the mailing process because I ship them to readers and stuff. But then the collections are on nicer, uh, grittier paper, which sort of like um, presents the co- it absorbs the color differently. And I think they're both different but satisfying results. And again, they're not on shiny, slick paper. It's just a different monster. You know, it's just a different thing. Um, but yeah, it's just the kind of stuff I like. You know, it's just uh, uh, the kind of when it comes to art style, it's just what I like to see. It's what I respond to. And in terms of printing and actual physical publishing, I mean, that's what Tucker and Tom and I really all respond to as well, you know, like high-quality printing rather than just making something to be consumed immediately and then thrown away and forgotten. You know what I mean? But it's also, we also don't want, like, 
Well, I personally, I you know, it's not like I want like the nice hardcover slipcase, huge edition that's you know really expensive. Like I want this stuff to be affordable and available. So there's that balance too. It's like I want it to be nicely presented, but I also want anyone to pick it up. You know what I mean? So that all that goes into play when when we're making these decisions. Well, you also have a specific approach to, you know, your panel layouts, which are really creative, and they, you know, they get more complicated and, and, uh, but, you know, like still effective, but just more creative, I should say, you know, as time right. goes on. And, um, like, the way you handle motion between panels is really unique. Who are the sequential artists that really, inflict, that really influenced you visually, as well as folks from outside of the comics world? Oh man, we're, we're, when it comes to like panel layouts and stuff like that, there's a uh, just, I mean, the list is endless. You know, I like, I mean, typically I like guys like, uh, you know, Frank Miller, Walt Simonson, Jaime Hernandez, um, you know, lots of manga, lots of European artists, you know, so it's just a mix of stuff. And for me, depending on like the scene, if it needs a little bit of spice or something or, or something, or, you know, if, if, it, if the moment requires a weird layout, then I'm going to do it, as long as I'm not confusing, you know? Like, uh, were you ever confused in, in reading that sort of stuff? Like, or in general, not really just Cobra, but, like, if something's really designy, like, it could be confusing, right? Like, yeah, what, it can what's be. I don't, think that, I don't think that your layouts have been conf- I don't think that your layouts have been confusing to me, but I've certainly witnessed layouts that were confusing, I'm looking at a page right now that I think is really cool from the middle of volume one where your Dr. Strange type character is conveying something to um, Wurr and uh, Wurr can't quite hear what he's saying and you have the speech bubble lined up so that his speech bubble is partially cut off and you, and you hear the, you know, the other person saying, what? I, like, I can't hear you sort of similarly to how we can't really read the text. So he then repeats himself below um, I'm going to tweet that out right now for listeners, but uh, I think that's <laughs> kind of, and then, you know, actually, yeah, the page, the page right after it is another great example because the next page after it, we have some really interesting shadows of motion going to, as somebody is moving through space and shifting through dimensions. Um, so yeah, I, I think like, in, yeah, I remember doing yeah, it, yeah, yeah, you made this, so you remember, <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember some of it. Yeah, it it just but, uh, really depends on like you know like the scene. Be, like if you overuse it, if you overuse that approach, it's just gonna be like I don't know too much, like too rich almost. Like it's like a long guitar solo. You know what I mean? You got to use it at the right moment, um, at the right time. Um, and you have to be sort of like in tune with with you. You know, you can't be tone deaf to like what what the story is or how the people are reading your stories. So yeah, like in the middle of that story, I just threw in, I mean, I didn't just throw it in. It, it, it required some sort of formulation on my part. Like, you know, it was very careful, but it was a crazy scene, you know, like I wanted it to be crazy and designing. So, but just to sort of convey something specific and then it, it snaps back into just a grid, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just glad you, you pick up on, on these sort of like design elements. Cause you know, sometimes I get confused by, by certain layouts. That's why I asked you because and sometimes you could tell it's just to show off, you know, certain artists, they just, it's just a really cool scene, but that's it, you know? And sometimes that's at the expense of clarity, 
Um, so I don't know. That's something I'm always trying to battle. So I'm always thinking about that sort of stuff. You know, battle within my work, meaning I'm just always trying to be clear. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. The, the series to me, uh, I, I asked uh, Jeff Lemire because I got the same vibe out of uh, Black Hammer with it, that it's, you know, it's not just doing your kind of your spin on it, but it, this is like a love letter to the super genre and, and an homage in many ways. Like, what, what's your thought process in, in kind of like reworking, you know, what we've seen for 70 plus years? And then how do you actually choose some of these characters, which definitely feel like they reflect, you know, characters and not in a bad way. Um, like mm-hmm. what, what's your actually like process going through all that stuff? Well, in the beginning, I mean, I, like I, I had to set up certain limits for myself. Otherwise it would just become too just crazy and kind of gross in a weird way. <laughs> like just like unchecked fanfic, you know what I mean? Like I just couldn't, like I could do that, but I had to have specific parameters set in place, you know? So that means, um, you know, taking the Suicide Squad template and going from there and not deviating from that, you know. And if I deviate, there has to be a specific reason for that, you know. Um, and then, I, you know, in the beginning, I mean, this is this is weird. Uh, you know, I don't think that had been done too much or too explicitly at the moment back in 2012 when I first started Cobra. Um, but then I had to think back about the history of comics itself. And, it, I mean, it's it's riddled with this sort of stuff, you know, it's just uh, analog after analog um, I mean, all the stuff, Alan Moore Stanley, I mean, I, just everyone, you know, there's, in other words there's no shame in the game, you know like, you just yeah. you just go for it, you do it you want to see a thing exist, you make it happen somehow, anyhow and that's, so, so I sort of took that as a, as a sort of um, I don't know not a coda, that's that's you know, it's not a philosophy or anything. It's just sort of like my approach to it. So I try to temper it. I try to be careful. And I try to just kind of keep to the main narrative of the the main group, the core group. I can't just like randomly introduce like, oh, I feel like having an analog of so-and-so because it's, I just feel like it. Like it has to make a certain amount of sense within the rules that I've set up for myself. Um, otherwise, it just becomes like just a mess, you know. Which is which is fine. That could be an interesting mess, and that, who knows? I may change next month. I may do it. You know, I don't. I don't know. That's that's sort of that's sort of the advantage of the the setup that I have. Um, it just has to kind of feel right. You know, it's not like a hard science, but it's just sort of I don't know. It has to it has to lock in in a correct way. You know. Uh, I have to be true to the characters that I've already developed for so long and for so many issues. So I can't just like throw something in there to sort of cheapen the flow, you know? Well, what, you know, Suicide Squad is obviously like the, the main like inspiration in terms of the, the characters, although the plots Mm -hmm. in this are far more spaced out and, um, experimental than any plot for Suicide Squad would be. Like, I honestly think this is like, you know, this is, this is the, a lot, almost more like fourth world or like good Doctor Strange stuff um, when it comes to the plots. But in terms of like the characters and the cast, it's definitely Suicide Squad. Like, what is it about Suicide Squad out of all of the uh, inspirations? Like, what, why is it that this inspires the story so much? 
Uh, I think it's mostly because I started rereading those comics a, a few years ago. You know, they're comics I grew up on. And in rereading them, I discovered that they were still great, and I was really inspired. I had all this energy, to, and, I, and I wanted to do something with that, you know, whether it be, I don't know, pinups or fan art or, or just, you know, uh, something. And I figured, well, why not just make my own version? You know, that, that was the experiment for me. You know, why not just do it, you know? Um, you know, I would read the Suicide Squad that DC was putting out at the time, and it, and it I mean, it didn't resemble anything familiar um, mm-hmm. that I wanted the Suicide Squad to be. It was its own, its own thing, and they had their own mission statement, and that's fine. But when I read it as a fan, I didn't find what I was looking for. And because I'm a cartoonist as well, I figured, well, that could be a cool, weird project that I could uh, I could spend a, a year developing and working on. And if no one likes it and if it doesn't gain traction, then whatever. It's only a year I lost, and I'll have 12 issues under my belt, and I'll just move on to the next thing. Um, but that's, I mean, that I picked the Suicide Squad because I'm familiar with those characters and I really love those characters. And I just sort of wanted to not revisit them, but just sort of, you know, play with them. You know, I had to kind of pretend that I was, you know, hired by DC back in like 1989 or something. And they're like, here, just do whatever you want. You know, it's, I sort of had to make this like ridiculous hypothetical in order to, to, to motivate myself you know, to make this thing happen. But that's, mm-hmm. that's why I chose the Suicide Squad because, you know, who needs another Batman knockoff, you know, <laughs> like who, who no, needs another Wolverine knockoff? Like, you know, and, and, you know, that, that is to say that not that I'm trying actively to get away from the Suicide Squad, but naturally it's developed. The Cobra has become its own thing at mm-hmm. this point. And so now I don't even know how to, how to identify it, you know, like certainly Suicide Squad, it has its like huge thumbprint in its core, but now it's like who who knows what it is, you know. <laughs> um, so I don't know. That's why it's Suicide Squad because they're just cool, man. I just love Yay. those characters, uh, the old school <laughs> characters. Like I just yeah. you know just want to see them run around again, you know. They really are like. And it's and it's and it's a wide ranging crew of kinds of people too, you know, ages and you know, really a lot of different ages and men and women and people of different races and different yes. power yeah. sets. It gives you a lot of different kinds of folks to work from, all of whom non savory yeah, yeah, yeah. and entertaining. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, that stuff was written for kids back in the eighties and nineties. But they were written smartly and so you could enjoy it as an adult now so I don't think it's me being like super nostalgic or anything I think you revisit those comics and they hold up way better than anything you know I still recommend <laughs> it to people that's still like a huge inspiration for me it's, they're, they're just good comics you know do you know if Ostrander has seen your work uh I hope not Oh, <laughs> I hear he's no, super no, no. chill I, well I, no, he is. I've met. I've, I haven't met him face to face, but I've emailed him. I've interviewed him. Uh, I've even. I've, I've sent him some old comics too, and it's like you know, it's a, that would be a little weird, don't you think? I mean, it'd be cool, but what's he gonna say? Like, oh, this is really good that you're ripping me off. Like, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's like that. Like, this looks no, nothing I'm like. Just, no, I'm just being self-deprecating. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it's like I try not to meet my heroes too often. You know. Yeah. No, it would be, uh, yeah, like, it's not something you would necessarily want to put to him, but I would be curious if someone else had just because 
I don't know. It, to me, like, if I were him, I would be hugely honored, frankly, that somebody is doing a huge body of work that they're sweating and slaving over and achieving, you know, critical acclaim over that were characters that you created or sort of at the core of it, but they've taken them off in a whole different direction. It's like, it's like, you know, jazz. It's like, a, it's like, it might be the same root of the song, but it's not the same song. Um, right. And I mean, you're, you're going to work off a standard if you like it. Right. Right, right. I mean, listen, I would love to hang out with John Eisenhower and just talk about suicide going all day to him, but, you know, I don't know. To him, it was probably just a job, like a good job, and it was, and he had fond memories, I'm sure of it, but it was just another gig he had, like, 30 years ago. Like, you know, what I'm doing by his standards, by most most standards, it's probably a little weird and offbeat, so, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, maybe one day I'll give it to him or something. I don't know, give him a collection <laughs> bug him or something but uh no i mean i've met the guy he's super nice i don't mean to say the guy like who, who am i to call him the guy i've met the man i've met john ostrander and he's he's great he's a super sweet guy but i don't know i feel weird about having my stuff being read by, by people i know too you know like it's just mm. you know well in terms of heroes and stuff like that so but that, i gotta get over that shit who cares yes you do you have to get over it <laughs> Um, you know, one of the things like, is just like literally like the material and sorry to keep just getting back to like art nerd stuff, but like, this is me, like the literally like no the problem. materials that you do use in this are not ones that people are making using in conventional comics at all. Like, are these the mediums that you've always been drawn to? Um, or, yeah, I mean, forever. Yeah. yeah. Or what, when did what you start working? Like, when, when did you really start working on your, your drawing as a discipline? I mean, I've always drawn, you know, I've always drawn specifically comics since I was like a little kid. Um, but the interesting thing is that I used to mostly work, you know, when I started working uh, professionally, I, it would be mostly in black and white. You know, I wasn't doing any color stuff, only in my sketchbook and in private little pieces uh, because I wasn't confident in my coloring. I just didn't think, you know, because it wasn't the industry standard. You know, it's not what I saw. And I wasn't really interested in developing digital chops at the moment, or at that time. Um, so slowly but surely, I started incorporating the hand-colored thing, which I had always done, whether it be markers or paints or watercolors or, you know, like charcoal or whatever. Um, I would try to use it here and there, in, little, in stories here and in a short story there. Um, but when it came to Cobra, because I needed something familiar and that I could um, execute quickly with, I just kind of fell back on, on, on like color pencils and watercolors because that's just what I knew. I knew how to crank out this stuff quickly, how to make a drawing uh, look complete and competent uh, in a timely manner, as opposed to like learning Photoshop or learning how to do uh, all the tricks, that, you know, that the new system has or the new program has. Um, I just needed to get it done. So it's all, it's all based on like speed and economy. Uh, and a certain level of comfort, you know, like I, uh, because I'm drawing so many pages um, for so for so long, you know. Uh, so that's 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 what dictates the tools that I use. Um, it also sort of dictates the designs of the characters, which is why I design them the way I do, which is um, just um, not goofy, but very very geometric, uh, very designy, very angular, very uh, sometimes simple. You know, they're just like quick dashes. Um, it's all because I have to draw these characters so often 
you know, you kind of want to simplify it. You don't want to do like a George Perez sort of design where you have to draw every single little gadget and everything, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I personally love. I just, I would burn out drawing mm-hmm. that. I just, I just know myself, you know. I don't know how um, it's physically possible. But I also, frankly, don't know how your work is physically possible. I definitely get tired thinking about drawing all that detail. But, yeah, Perez would be yeah, extra yeah. lethal. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, he takes no shortcuts. He's, he's, I like his stuff a whole lot, too. I mean, maybe because it's so different from mine. It's, it's nothing I could ever achieve at all. I just don't think like that. Um, but, man, I love that stuff. The thing I mean, is, I'm like a most big of our uh, contempor- DC 80s guy. I'm sorry? What's, what's that? What would you say? You were saying something. Oh no! I was just saying I, I like George Perez because I'm a I'm a DC dork. So <laughs> not a surprise. Well, you know, but the thing is, like most of our peers, everyone younger than us, like they're all doing everything digital right now. And um, right. I like digital when I can't tell that it's digital, and I hate the aesthetic of digital. I just it's I recognize it's a bias that I have based on what I grew up with and the aesthetics of what I grew up with. But um, like you clearly have made the decision to actually draw on pieces of paper um, and yeah, like what was, what, what, even though it absolutely takes more work, um, it also looks way better, but um, I don't know. I mean, that's a decision that I think is really like central to this comic. It's also funny because it takes, I mean, it does take a certain amount of work, but it's also easier for me, you know, like me doing something digitally, it would just, I don't think I'd be happy with the results, you know. I would have to do that privately and on my own, at my own pace, you know. So this is just sort of what I'm familiar with. Um, but, again, it's not the industry standard, so that's why it looks so different. Like, no one's going to mm-hmm. sit there with a, co- a set of color pencils and color in, you know, a superhero comic. Like, that just doesn't happen. Um, maybe back in the 80s and 90s when they used to paint, you know, overlays, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like the prestige format comics, they used to mess with colors and Bill Sienkiewicz and that kind of stuff yeah 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 stuff like that and uh but you don't get a lot of that these days at least not in mainstream superhero comics which by the way that's what I see as my competition I don't when I make these comics I don't see myself as like an indie guy or a small press guy like I have to compete with the big companies you know whether I'm on the stands whether you know, whether a store stocks my stuff or not, I have to be there, you know, and compete with them um, story-wise, art-wise, price-wise, you know, all these things are considered. And so that's that's why I keep mentioning mainstream American comics, just because I see what they produce. And, you know, that's kind of why I developed Cobra, you know, in a way. I don't want to say it's, it was a reaction to because I think I would have just developed it on my own anyway, but it didn't help, you know. Like, it didn't help that I didn't like what I saw, and I thought it could be better, you know. I, I, just, think, I just think the medium is big, especially that specific slice of the industry, could accommodate more voices in different yeah. styles. Um, mm-hmm. And I think editorial has the power to do that, but you know how it goes, you know, that, that's not going to happen. So I have to make it happen myself, you know? Yep. Yep. I mean, I frequently talk about how I just, you may have an excellent opinion on this matter. I just find contemporary house style, quote unquote, at like Marvel and DC really aesthetically unappealing. 
it's better than how style was in like the year 2000 where it was like so heinous. I wanted to scream. Um, but how style back in the, back in the bronze and silver age was just better looking and, um, less time consuming since it was much, it had less of a need to draw every boot lace. Um, but, uh, there's definitely (laughs) some, so, cause there was a, there was a great panel going around on Twitter where somebody was showing like, look, you know, why does it take us so long to do a page? Cause we have to do boots like this now. And it's like a detailed drawing of a boot versus in the silver age. And it's the old sort of buccaneer style boot. And I wrote back like, yeah. And I like the old one more, even though maybe I'm a minority, like, um, no, you know, no, like, no. no, I mean, so, that's a discussion that I always have with like specific artists that they think that silver age and Bronze Age are simpler for some reason, and it's like these guys are blind. They don't know what they're looking at, and they don't they don't even know what they're talking about. Because if you look at an old Jack Kirby page and you think that's simple, you're out of your mind. Those are the most detailed pages ever. I mean, he puts a lot into it. He just doesn't put the same level of detail in the same things that they do. That's it. He doesn't care about boot laces. You know, he puts it somewhere else. I mean, how about George Perez? We were just talking about. Like, you yeah. can tell me that guy was simple? Come on. He's that guy destroys all these guys. And that was back in the 80s. That was back in 81. So I don't yeah. get this whole thing about, like, uh, but we're more detailed. It takes us longer to draw a page. I don't know about their work methods, but I don't know, man. Uh, it, it's not – it doesn't have to be so time-consuming. You know, I get it if you're drawing, like, for example, like – a specific double page spread with a very detailed crowd scene or something crazy like that. But every page doesn't have to be like Jeff Darrow level detail porn. You know what I mean? It just, mm-hmm. it, 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 again, it could accommodate, it could accommodate all sorts of styles, even within one artist, you know, um, you don't have to be a slave to any style or ideally, of course, you know, all these guys don't even know that there's uh, other options, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not talking out of school because I don't like the stuff. I like some of those comics fine. I know a lot of those professionals, but I've spoken to these professionals. Uh, sometimes I've shared studios with them and you know, they just don't know what they're talking about half the time. They think they know, but they don't know shit. <laughs> are, are you someone who studied a lot of like the actual like draftsman work of earlier comics creators, like an interest of yours or Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know yeah. about study. I just read a bunch of comics. Um, <laughs> I try not to. I try not to be too lofty about that. But I could go on and on about specifics like that. So yeah, that's always on my mind. I'm always thinking about these sort of things. So not not really getting into arguments because it's not worth it. But you know, it's like I, I just don't get like I don't think maybe myself included. Uh, like our values are so different, but we need to like identify what those values are, you know, and yes. I'm always finding yes. that. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird when people just kind of say ridiculous things like that. Like, I don't get that, <laughs> you know, like how the old school styles are just old fashioned or, and, and because based on what, because of detail, like that's such a superficial empty point of view anyway. But if you want to go head to head, about detail, you're going to lose, you know? So I, I don't get it. Anyway, these are the people that are employed by the two major corporations that are producing most of the comics that people read. So what do I know? I'm just a guy in Brooklyn making a comic that... <laughs> that but has look, like, like most people reading 
going to have a analysis of what you like about any year. So I think, like, if you put more interesting visuals on the table, people might those open a bit because it wasn't like something that, you know, it's not a story in the first place, Sally, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe a person. I mean, what do you think? Should a reader even be aware of any of the stuff? They're just consuming stuff. Like, like ideally, they're it's just like television. You're not going to think about like the set design and the the specific acting chops of a of a person. Like, you're just enjoying the thing. You're sitting back. You're being entertained. So I don't I don't know. That that's the weird thing. That you know that's the weird part of culture at this moment. It's like, should they care who Jack Kirby was? You know. Like, I think they should, but that's just me. That's my own fetish. <laughs> you know, that's my own interest. Yeah, I, um, like, I, look, I'm a critic, but constitutionally able of analyzing everything and looking to explain it in some way why it works or what it reminds me of. So, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, let's talk about hashtags as faces in character design. I... I love that, and I have to wonder if there was some specific symbolism that you're drawing from in that. Uh, oh, for what, can for you hear? what character? Yeah, no, you broke oh. up a little bit. I heard something about a hashtag. Yeah, you, you're character really choppy. Shoot. Oh, man, are we breaking up? Should we start this over? Okay. I'll, I know I'll this hop. is live, no. but. <laughs> I'll, I'll hop in with the question. Um, Oh, like, there you go. Okay, yeah, I hear you. With, with the with the series that you're doing and the the art style, like what you were just kind of talking about, do you mm-hmm. you kind of feel like it's your way of like deconstructing all of it? Like, is this kind of your like I don't you know like an academic take on on like superheroes and all that? But like, is you know, clearly it's things you thought about of you know how things are presented and how these characters are presented, the art style and all that. Um, but like when it actually comes to you creating the series, is that on your mind with each issue? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, first of all, I, I'm sort of suspicious of of labeling it in any sort of academic way. You know what I mean? Like, I just just because I'm suspicious of of, of academics anyway, uh, certain not in general, but I mean, like in, in comics, you know. Um, I, I try to have more of a of a of a of a of an immediate sort of take on these things, but it's all things I've considered carefully and I'm always thinking about. So by virtue of that, yeah, it comes across like maybe this is some sort of deconstruction or something, but really I'm just trying to make a cool comic. I mean, it's as simple as that, and that's sort of the the, the mind frame I have to be in in order to make it happen. You know, if I start thinking about too deeply about what I'm doing, meaning like the, like the, the bones of it or, you know, or beyond that, I just, I'm just going to freeze up because that's pretty much, you're just falling in love with yourself. You know, you're just analyzing it to death and you're patting yourself on the back. And it's like, I, I'm too, I can't, I can't do that. You know, maybe it's a little bit of kind of maybe pretentious vibe I'm out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think there's a place for that. And I could certainly get really pretentious about, well, not really, <laughs> not really pretentious about it, you know, because it's not like I'm pretending to, to, to know or, or ascribe something to something. 
that doesn't deserve it, but I could certainly look at a comic I like and, and know why I like it and why I don't like it and why I shouldn't like it. I mean, these are all really fine distinctions. So when it comes to my work, I, I just do what I can do. You know, and sometimes it's, I mean, a lot of the times I'd say all the time, it's, it's a little bit out of my control. You know, uh, I see something and what comes out is something totally different and that could be cool. That could be infuriating. Uh, I just need to get it done. So having that sort of like definite um, goal helps, helps me just kind of get through it, get through making comics, you know. There's no time to to ponder about that sort of stuff. I'll do that at some point later. Or I'd rather do it about someone else's comic, you know, Um, which I could go off on like, you know, on any other comic. So as long as it's not mine. (laughs) With with the process, I mean, with like the the other superhero stuff, there are the big two that you see yourself competing against. Uh, you know, those are, I don't want to say they're like done by committee, but there's so many hands in them. You've got the editors and creators and senior editors and junior editors. And like, it just feels like it's, it's almost too, too many cooks in the kitchen at times. Um, and you can kind of get a vibe when there is and there isn't. With yours, mm-hmm. like when you create your series, is it just you? Do you have a process where you go and send it to an editor or anyone else to look at it? No, no, it's it's just me. I mean, well, I send it to a proofreader who also okay. formats the pages too, so I have someone helps me. But I used to do that for the first few all on my own, but I just needed to kind of hand out some of the, some of those duties, you know. But I still write, draw, color, letter, everything myself. So I do need a fresh pair of eyes to kind of check, you know, correct uh, punctuation and stuff like that. Um, so you know, every, everyone could benefit from a good editor, right? But I think the, w- the way I see it is that m- with my method, you sort of get a more direct um, sort of thing from me. You know, it's, it's more intimate in that way um, as opposed to like a, a mainstream comic, which is, like you said, by committee. Um, so it's a little impersonal sometimes. Uh, you could reach something really intimate within that, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not like anti-corporate, anti-corporate There's comics exceptions. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you could you could achieve something great. Not that that's their goal, but you could you know you you know the stuff we like, the very stuff we love, uh, you know, came from those sort of environments. Um, I mean, I really just think that those comics should be done by committee all the way. Like, let's hmm. stop pretending they're like all tours and stuff. I think. It should be treated like television because clearly they want to be television. So let's have a staff of writers per comic book mm. and artists. No stars. You might get your shot one issue here and there. You know, like you know, like Vince Gilliam may write one Better Call Saul. You know, he might take a crack at one shot. Or Robert Kirkman might write one Walking Dead episode or something like that. Treat the comics like that. They're just there to be consumed. They're not there to be noticed and loved like art objects, you know, you're just cranking this shit out. Treat it like television, treat it like manga, have 30 artists on an issue. We already have like 15 anchors per book. Sometimes go all the way. They should just go all the way and treat it like milk, treat it like newspapers, <laughs> you know, like this is, Oh just, my God. But if, if they, if is, they have like a whole team of artists, then we're going to all just have house style for everything. And I yep. don't like that. But that's I mean, sort of what what that's sort of what we have already anyway. So yeah, you might get to do style stuff that way, and then like leave the stuff by artists who have interesting styles that I like alone. 
How about how about that? Or, or how about or or give them like a special or mini or something. But I'm talking about the main lining, yeah. main storyline, and no more crossovers, no nothing. Just stick. Every book is like its own fiefdom, you know. Just you just make a thing. I'm, I don't know, whatever. I'm just. It'd be I'm interesting. It's an interesting proposition. <laughs> it's actually a really smart proposition. Yeah, I, I mean, mean look, Marvel said money. that they think that the artists don't matter, right? So if the, and they, I mean, I and the way they keep replacing people in the middle of arcs, and folks can't tell a character from one to the next based on that. Like, you know, if it was truly a team piece in the art, like that, maybe that would make, meet their needs. I just don't want to lose the voices, or I should say, the pencils or styluses, as it were, of the artists who really are doing unique stuff with the unique sense of vision and, and unique aesthetics like I I prefer generally speaking well yeah this is really I prefer when it comes to contempt hope folks can hear me okay when it comes to contemporary I stuff I prefer the artist who I can look at the page and say oh that's so so like if I look at yeah. Ramon Villalobos' stuff I can tell that's Ramon Villalobos' stuff and that makes me happy I can't necessarily right. always tell that with all of some with all of the uh, Bronze Age artists if they're not someone whose work I've really like looked at a lot but um, when it comes to the modern people, yeah, if the folks they like, I can tell it's their page. I want them to be able to create their stuff, and I want them to be able to do it on superheroes on occasion if they'd like to. Um, right, right, right. I don't know. But you want all? I mean, you want all the comics to look like that? Like, I, you know, it's cool that there's going to be specific visions and unique voices, but I don't know, man. These things are just they're just property where they're just telling stories and they're just like moving numbers, you know, like it's just, it's, it's fine. You know, they're, I, I think the way fans approach these sort of comics, that's just not how I approach comics. That's why I stopped reading them a while ago. I just, you know, I check them out once in a while, but I haven't engaged with, with those kind of comics in that way, in that like crazy zombie way in ages, decades, just because they're not made for me anymore, you know? Um, so I just see, I, I just see where it's going and I just kind of think that why not just simplify, cut it down. We don't really need comics anymore. We've made it. The people know who Thor is. Holy shit. There's a movie out. People know they're going to buy the underwear. They're going to buy the pizza hut tie in cup. It doesn't matter. You don't need the fucking comic book. Right. So just, you know, make it lean, make it super lean. And just uh, who cares? What am I? This is like a weird well, hypothetical, go, anyway. So well, no, actually, it's a smart but. hypothetical because you could also, if you were to go to that model, in theory, you could actually shift to the main style instead of a you know twenty-two page for four ninety-nine. You can up the the page count. You know, you up the price a little bit, and you can have it out in a you know month and a half turnaround by doing it by committee. Like that's the model. I mean, yeah. That, that that's you know I mean, the, yeah. the the bullseye that everyone's everyone's thinking but no one is willing to pull the trigger and do. Right, right, right. Is it weird that I, I see like the mainstream comics as like my competition? That's that's just kind of funny. I just realized yeah. that that's like because I don't even care about that level. You know that sort of corner. So it's just kind of funny how I still see well, it. Well, it's like. a helpful way to think about it, just because so yeah. many of the artists' comics are they're not even like they're not even trying to speak to the same interests or desires. So I, I do think it's reasonable. This, yeah. I, I think it's reasonable because you're doing genre stories. 
um, with teams of people wearing unusual colored outfits. You're just going in a different way than they are. Right, right, right. I guess I do get, like, old readers that don't get that fix from those comics. So I I guess I do, you know, a certain amount of readers. You know, I get a lot of, like, art school comic dudes who just love it because it looks weird. But then other people just like old teen books, and they just get that fix. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's why I still lock into that sort of, like, you know, I don't want to say killer instinct. It's not that deep, but you know, it's just kind of like, that's the enemy, (laughs) even though it's not, you know, I've worked for them. I know those people, they're friends, you know? Um, But yeah, I pretty much just do something different essentially, you know, like I use them sort of as a model as to like, okay, what don't I like about this? What are the elements I don't relate to? And so that sort of informs what I do. So it's all, you know, it's all the same. How do you like think through that? You know, the mainstream superheroes is, is your competition. Like, how do you approach your marketing because of that? like? Do you do? You, I mean, with like indie comics, I feel like a lot of them kind of go to like Tumblr. Or, you know, obviously SPX is a big thing, but the, you know, a certain kind of an underground vibe about marketing and how they get their books out there. Um, you know, like, do you approach things a little bit different because it does from the outside, it feels like you have both worlds. Well, I mean, these days the marketing team is like the creator themselves. Even if you're working right. for those big companies, you're just kind of like pimping your stuff on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, how, you know, any Avenue you have, uh, you'll just use it to talk about the stuff you're putting out. You know, maybe the company will do that for you and that'll give you a bump maybe, but I don't know when it comes to marketing. I mean, that's something I have to think about on top of doing the creative part of it, but that's sort of part of the process for me, you know, the publishing, the shipping, the being in charge of customer service and all that stuff. But the marketing itself, you know, I just do what I can. I'm only one dude, you know? Um, so I yeah. try to like spread the word without becoming too obnoxious about it, you know? <laughs> so there's that fine line. Um, I don't know, but yeah, but, but you know, when in terms, in terms of like friendly, healthy competition, which I don't think a lot of people talk about. They just feel it. You know, mm-hmm. I just, it's, it's there. It's a tension that's there, but no one really talks about it, you know, even though other industries talk about it openly because it is a healthy thing. But I don't only see it through Marvel and DC. I see it in every other company that's not me or the companies I'm not working for. So it's just in, in a platform like Twitter or Tumblr or whatever, you're just constantly seeing uh, other, co- you know, your competition, you know, it's a friendly social atmosphere, but it's also like a reminder, like to market more or do something else more. So it's, it's this, this sort of other angle of drive that's just there, whether you like it or not. And you could unplug, you don't have to utilize these tools, but that's just part of the thing, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't mean to like harp on Marvel and DC. I'm talking about everyone else. Uh, because, again, I feel like it's just me at a table making these things issue by issue, you know, like trying to build something brick by brick. And uh, luckily people dig it, you know. So especially in these times when it's like the competition is fierce, everyone's like after the new shiny thing all the time, you know, it's just it's, 
it's relentless. I mean, it's great too. No complaints. This is awesome. This is a great time, I think, to be a cartoonist and to publish your own stuff and have your own voice be heard and seen. Um, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I, I think I'm specifically, uh, I come from, I'm a product of these times. You know, the fact that I'm able to sell my stuff directly to the reader with no mm. middleman, um, the, the, that I'm able to afford uh, a print run of something that I do myself um, and go to conventions and go to that, you know, tap into that circuit. Uh, I think those are all super awesome advantages that um, I think they're modern. I think they're all the time. You know, I, I, I certainly wouldn't be able to have done this six years ago or, or well, I want- to my knowledge. I just wasn't a bit, I just, it didn't occur to me maybe, but I just, it wasn't there, you know? Well, I wanted to ask you about that. I, I'm a subscriber to you know your your monthly print run, and I get the paperbacks on top of it. Uh, I like going back and rereading it. But awesome! With, I love you know, it. <laughs> um, the with the the series. So like I I pay attention to like what you're putting out and and how you interact with folks. You know, you talk about it a little bit because I I find it really interesting that like you have a model that that seems to work. You know, you sell your stuff through Etsy got the patreon going on um you know you're able to do subscriptions directly to customers it feels like you know as you're in you wouldn't have been able to do this maybe five years ago like this is really you know like you're a prime example of where technology has broken the distribution model to favor the individual creator mm-hmm. right right i mean i agree yeah that's uh those are all very specific advantages, I think. And like you said, the Etsy store, that's a very unique platform. You know, I mean, there's Big Cartel, there are other platforms that, that do the similar thing, you know, Gumroad. Um, but Etsy, I just use because that's what I knew about. That's what was made available to me. Um, but yeah, you're right. In, instead of like going store to store, calling them up, going to the, you know, being the pavement, I'm, I'm able to reach readers directly just by being online. And I've done, I've done the other way too. I've gone to other stores and left my stuff on consignment. And it's, you know, the, the way super small press like zine makers, that's, that's the life, you know? So I'm lucky to just, you know, I, I basically in the, in the beginning of Cobra, I pretty much just crunched specific numbers. I'm like, okay, I have to make X amount of copies to meet this demand, to meet, uh, you know, to pay these bills. Can I survive off that? You know, it's just simple, mathematics right and luckily i had enough uh customers to to sort of make that happen make that come into reality um but that was also that didn't just come out of nowhere that was years of me building a readership slowly but surely even when i felt like oh my god what am i doing with my life no one's reading this stuff it was actually i was actually slowly building some sort of following you know uh, mm-hmm. a modest but loyal following you know, and ever since it's just grown little by little by little. And that's why I still get new readers, which is awesome to me. Like, you know, people always say like they're, they're late to the party. They're just discovering Copra. And I got to say, it's never too late. It's awesome. It's great that people are still finding it. They're just discovering it and they're digging it, you know, so that, that allows me to continue, you know, because if this would have tanked early on, I wouldn't be on issue 31, you know what I mean? Like, this is a total, like a deep, deeply intertwined relationship between reader and creator. Um, 
and that I, I don't think that's ever happened uh, outside of this generation, right? Like I, I can't think of that. You could, the companies always kind of stood between that. Uh, even smaller companies, they're, they're, they're kind of, there's a kind of like clear divide between reader and creator, you know. But me, I'm I'm in it. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to these the readers, uh, potential readers, uh, people at conventions. I mean, I'm telling you, I do the customer service of my stuff. Like I just I I see every single step of the way through. So. Um, yeah, it's a lot, man. I keep busy with this stuff, <laughs> so it's constant for sure. But the, but the relationship with the readers—that's a very unique thing of the times, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the which is I can all, even think of which is what's that? I was gonna say the closest I can even think of this is like the old school zines that were all done through the mail, but you know, you didn't mm-hmm. quite have that interaction with individuals. Like you, you really have a lot of touch points with people now. Yes, yeah, so, I mean sometimes like creators would would you know contribute a cover or something to like an old zine in the seventies or something, but mostly those were amongst fans, you know. Yeah. Even something like Wizard Magazine, there was a, a just a clear divide, like this is us, and they are them. Like that's you know that is that's very separate. But now I think because of something like the internet. Um, which, by the way, sounds like a totally 90s thing to say, the Internet. Like, just, just like <laughs> virtue of the fact that we are online talking all the time, they're, they're, like, those barriers are destroyed. They don't even exist, you know? I mean, I could just tweet at John Ostrander and beg him to read Cobra, personally, shamelessly. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I and mean, that's the virtue of technology, you know? Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I, I want to get in. No, I want to get in a question that I, I, I have an obvious answer that I've somehow missed, which is, what is the significance of the name Capra to you? Uh, well, to me, it was a it was um, a high school band that I was in. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a na- it was just a name I really liked, and I always kind of kept around, and I just never used for anything. And you know, it's it's like the I always saw it as like a, it means it's like a hollowed out skull, like an empty coconut skull. And um, I just thought it was a cool, ambiguous sounding name, and uh, I, I went for it. And that is an it image you be... used. There have been hollowed out skulls aplenty. <laughs> I mean, if you Google it, yeah, that's what you get. But um, I mean, it, it it kind of speaks to the to the to the kind of I don't know the, the philosophy behind what I do, which is just make it cool, man. Just make it look cool. Does it sound cool? <laughs> then that's it. I mean, I I really want to just boil it down to that that level of like innocent enthusiasm. You know, even though so much more goes behind it, that's pretty much what it is and I think Cobra is the perfect title for something like that you know but yeah like you said like I I try to do Cobra with Bergen Street Comics I have my Patreon which I do you know commissions I write articles retrospectives I do web comics on there I try to do all sorts of different things so again I'm like trying to reach different people as many different people as I can and that in itself is a marketing uh, tool you know uh, it's a marketing uh, approach so it all kind of feeds itself you know 
that's what I mean by everything is like it's it's all there, you know. So well, speaking of people, we we actually have two questions from uh, both by Jeffrey Brown. Um, the first one is uh, Jeffrey's working on a mini comic, and it be an eight page or fifteen page. Do you have advice for that? Wait, what was that? I heard Jeffrey Brown is making an eight pager. I know Jeffrey Brown. Should should be eight or sixteen. I, I figured this was inside thing between two. Wait, he's asking me what his page count should be. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, let me see. Oh man, eight would be such a clean number, but screw it, do fifteen. Ah, oh, my goodness. Uh. And then the other one would be is, have you ever read Deadline Magazine? Which I never even What heard. magazine? Dead, Deadline. It featured Deadline, girl Johnny Bo. Yeah, yeah I've read a couple. Man. I, don't, I don't have many issues, but I do. Yeah, it has Tank Girl. Um, I forget who else, you know. Uh, I think Brett Ewens had stuff in there. I forget who specifically was in there. I think that was more of a also music comics magazine. And I think uh, it was reprinted in the States. I think Dark Horse put it out. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I've read some of them. I'm not too familiar with the issues, obviously, but yeah, I've read them. I like what I've seen. Should check that one out. It sounds kind of cool. Yeah. I, I, That's the sort of question. I don't know if they're still in print, but they're, you know, you could see them in, in the bins, I guess. You always run into them. I, li- I like Jeffrey. I'm glad he weighed in. I like that. <laughs> Hi. There's also a whole back channel joke conversation between us and Ramon Villalobos for anyone who is like, wow, let's also see what happens behind the scenes so you can say hi to us later. Um, well, I want nice. to thank you so much for joining us. And, um, you know, I, I totally did not know about your active uh, Patreon, Negative Land and all that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what Negative Land is and why we should check it out? Oh, yeah. Well, Negative Land is sort of um... – I kind of wanted to use my, like I started reading Carl Barks duck comics um, and like old Doom Patrol comics and just have a sort of lighter, fun approach to stories. Uh, not whimsical, but just sort of not so heavy where like people are getting murdered, you know. So I just kind of wanted to, to, to tell a different sort of story. And having the having it serialized on the web is awesome because I get to develop this this new title in real time with readers um, and Patreon is the perfect platform for that you know uh, there are different levels you know certain levels you get to just read it you read the web version the next level you'll get the print version whenever I eventually complete it and you'll get like the limited edition copy or whatever uh, but that's that's what negative land is it's just kind of like my excuse to try different styles and different approaches you know, whether it be uh, color theory or uh, inking styles or even just narrative uh, techniques, you know, I've been trying all different sorts of stuff and try to make it all make sense. Um, and I think it's so far so good. I'm, I'm still interested in, in this thing. So it's, it's a good little break to have. Um, so that's, that's what I've been doing. I'm also working on a new comic, uh, Bloodstrike, that's going to come out by Image Comics. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with Bloodstrike. It's an old 90s oh, yeah. comic. Oh, I recognize uh, it. it. It's like a, yeah, it's like hilarious. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like a, the 90s. Uh, one, of, one of the yeah. Rob Liefeld's uh, flagship titles next to Youngblood and Brigade. And it's a comic I've loved. 
and you know I pretty much just uh, made some art, pitched it to Rob, and you know, and so it's getting made. <laughs> I mean, it's that immediate and raw. You know, it's just I get to do my thing on those characters that I uh, again I grew up on those comics. You know, I grew up on Image Comics, so it's it's a great I think privilege to even work on those characters. So. It's going to be fun. I don't know when that's coming out. That's sometime in the next year for sure, early next year. So, uh, yeah, Cobra, Negative Land, uh, Bloodstrike. I also have a Fantagraphics collection of my comic called Zagus, which is the first stuff I ever self-published. And that's also, like, another avenue for me to tell, like, different types of stories. But, you know, there's samples online. You can check it out, um, see if you dig it. Hopefully you do. I'll be at the Miami Book Fair this November with copies of Zegas. Um, so yeah, if you're in Miami, drop by and I'll also be at cab in Brooklyn, which is the, the comics art, comic arts, Brooklyn fest. Uh, so those are the two appearances I'll be at, you know, uh, the two conventions I'll be at. So drop by, we'll talk about old comics or something. Yeah. It looks like Zegas will be out in November. Is that right? November. Yeah. 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 Late November, uh, should be available. Yeah. So, uh, cool. Yeah, just have your story right right now. Diamond or get it from <laughs> or from Fantagraphics directly. You know they should have them. And I'm so, ordering. Yeah, that's good, done. That's a good balance uh, to have like, Fantagraphics and Extreme Comics uh, at the same time. I think that's uh, was, a high point for me personally. Hmm. That's, that's very ex- like other like opposite ends of uh, like what I would expect for comics. It just feels like you. Yeah, we'll just go yeah, with that. No, it's very I fiercely, <laughs> I fiercely love both ends, so I'm I'm really yeah. deep into both of them. So, uh, is yeah, Negative man, Land a reference we're, we're, to the band Negative Land? No, but I, I am familiar with Negative Land without okay. an E. I, lo- I yeah. like them. I like them a lot. I don't know too much about them, but I, I am familiar with them. I like some of their songs. Um, I think it was probably more of a of a Negative Land based on, like, the Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I, <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a, a, a cool title, and I thought it would stick. I don't know. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, it, it does take place in a place not where Cobra res, resides. Um, so that's why it's, like, a different dimension. It's a different, you know, it's a, it's, it's a different look. The book has a different identity. I, I just, I just want to have that sameness. I don't want to have my own house style being developed too quickly. You know, one day, one day I'll have mm. assistance drawing my style so I could take a break. But, you know, for now, this is what I got. Have you ever, before we take off, have you ever thought about having other creators allow them to play in your, your world of created? Uh, occasionally I have them do pinups and stuff, but not story-wise. No, I think I'm, I'm too controlling uh, for that sort of behavior. So, but one day I do, I do want to do like a committee sort of thing, you know, I, or not committee, but like collaborate. I do want to, mm-hmm. you know, switch it up a little bit and, 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 uh, approach something as a, as a collaborative effort. You know, I think that's really appealing to me right now just because maybe it's so different from what I do. So I don't know. We'll see, but I don't know if that's going to be for Cobra. It would have to be for something completely different, you know, Cool. That could be actually really, really neat. So, 
knock out uh, hopefully, what hopefully yeah. that happens someday. Be, yeah, it could be cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully soon. Well, we'll see. We'll see. These things take time, but yeah. Well, really appreciate you coming on board. We had you for for an hour, and uh, you know, we, we know you're busy putting out awesome comics. Um, before we go, we always to give the the platform for the creators to be able to tell folks, you know, where they can find them online and, and plug everything that they want to do. So, you know, where where can people find you? Where can they go and support you? Uh, they can look me up uh, everywhere, like Twitter, Facebook. I'm at Michelle Fife. Um, I'm on Tumblr, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you could go to my website, michellefife.com. Uh, that should have all the information there too. All you know, samples for all the comics that I've done and I'm working on. Uh, and the Patreon is also under my name, so check that out. And uh, as far as plugs, I mean, I pretty much just like dumped it all before. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, Zegas, Bloodstrike, Cobra, Negative Land. It's it's all coming soon. 2018 is going to be a busy year, so I'm I'm happy that it's all it's all happening. So hopefully you guys will check it out. More stuff from you. I'm very happy about that because uh, I love your work. So I'm excited. I'm very excited. Awesome. Well, thanks for subscribing to the comic and getting the books, dude. I, I really appreciate that. Subscribers are like, that's an awesome thing. You know, I, I love, I love that. I love having that. Yeah, I uh, I got the look for my wife at, at SPX one year where I went and bought the trade, and she just looks at me and she's like, "Don't you get that in the phone?" I was there. I said, "Yes." Yeah. 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 It was like, "Don't you get that?" <laughs> like, I do. Yes. I'm not going to reread those. And I, yeah, the kind of works of art. I don't want to mess them up. So I'm going to go with the trade. <laughs> nice. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. A little weirdly obsessive like that. So uh, <laughs> thanks so much for no, coming I, on I've the show. Like that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. That, yours is it. Head. That's it for me. Awesome. That's the only one I do that for. Man, that's, yeah. that's a real honor. Because I, I do that sometimes myself, so so I appreciate I'm glad, that. That's awesome. <laughs> glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, no way. Uh, well, thanks again for having me on, guys. This has been awesome. Yeah, I thank appreciate you. It. We'll definitely have to have you back. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's chat some more. Yeah. Yay. We, we thanks, should do guys. it around Bloodstrike. We'll do some around Bloodstrike. Let's be, just say around cool. Bloodstrike. Yes. Oh my God! Please, I could talk about Bloodstrike for hours. I'm serious. I think it'd be fun. It'd be, it'd be nice. Yeah, no, that, that would be show. awesome. So cool. No, we'll mark it down. Awesome. We'll make it happen. Awesome. Thanks again, gang. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. You too. Bye. So it's October, and yes. um, we are we're coming through the Halloween season. And Monday we have a Halloweeny guest coming back again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Katie Schenkel will be joining us to talk about Moonlighters. Moonlighters is about uh, uh, werewolf hunting and teenagers having feelings. And um, it's a great name for a comic that is about werewolves and teenagers having feelings. It's Moonlighting. Werewolf detectives. Um, And I'll do my best not to make Bruce Willis jokes and Moonlight jokes. Moonlighters, sorry. Moonlighters, I know. not Moonlighters. Oh, no, I know. Oh. I'm still going to make Bruce Willis I'm, I'm Moonlighting jokes. Well, anyway, Katie <laughs> will be joining us on Monday. She's also a really good podcaster herself, so I think this will be fabulous. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be cool. Another indie creator show, so I'm very happy mm-hmm. with that. 
Uh, and seasonally and, appropriate. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, so before we go, where can folks find you online? I'm on Twitter all the goddamn time at Elana underscore Brooklyn. That's E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn. And you can catch us at Grand Policy on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Tumblr, pretty much if it exists, we are parked at Graph Policy. You can find us there. And of course, follow us, find us and follow us at graphpolicy.com. Uh, there's always stuff going on. We've got an article every hour on the hour, uh, 24 hours, seven days a week, 365. Pretty damn close to 365. Mm-hmm. Uh, so get all your cool latest news from independent comic site. Underline that. Virtually underscore that multiple times. Independent comic site. So, uh, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, this episode will be up on iTunes and Stir and, uh, in probably an hour or two. It'll be up on SoundCloud tomorrow and then posted on graphicpolicy.com. So, until next time, as always, thanks for listening. I'm Brett. I'm Ilana. Keep it geeky.